the end of this road, swollen in the heat of my failings. My fingers bleed from shattered dreams, my throat falters. My stomach churns on endless regrets and words rehearsed to beg my way back in. I try to grab for a sense of worth, but the air is thin. Up ahead a figure stands, and I know that I must face him. My shoulders drop, but his are lower, slumped in the weight of a child lost. His chest heaves in love's deep pain. His eyes reach to mine. Arms rise like dawn-lit wings. And now he's running, his face a song. He falls upon me, washing the squandered years in tears and kisses. He pulls me close, those walls I built so sure. So certain within, collapse now like petals to the touch of his embrace. His words pour like summer rain, weeping those names I've so desperately sought. My child, my pleasure, my springtime bloom, my ever after returned. He holds the bruises like tender flames, holds the sorrow, holds my mistakes, takes the heartbreak, the burning shame, and draws me home. Uh, this morning, we're passing out elements. Uh, it's our first Sunday of the month, and so yes. uh, by tradition, we normally do our, our communion first Sunday of the month. I know we just did it Friday, so if you're at home, get your elements together. You have a few minutes uh, to go ahead and do that. But as they're passing out the elements, let's go before the Father in prayer, um, and let's just have a word of uh, a time of prayer uh, right now. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we thank you, Heavenly Father, for, the, for, for what you've done on the cross for us. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the forgiveness of sin, Lord, that each one of us can partake in, Heavenly Father. And we come to the communion table, Heavenly Father, as, as humans, Heavenly Father, with error. And I ask you right now, Heavenly Father, that you search our hearts, Lord. And as your word says, as far as the east is to the west, you will forget, uh, forgive us of our sins, Heavenly Father. And we ask you, Lord, for your forgiveness, Lord, so we can come to the communion table, Heavenly Father, Lord, not as, 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 as sinful people, Lord, but as, as people who have been forgiven, People have that have been, been been cleansed, Lord, and I ask you right now, Heavenly Father, that you do just that, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity to commune with you today, Lord, and we do this not as a ritual, but we do this as a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you can stand with me, if you can, as we partake in communion, I believe we all have it in the house. And hopefully you have it at your house. This morning we have the elements of communion, which is juice. Some, some uh, religions do wine. We have juice, grape juice this morning. And um, in, 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 in a wafer, in a cracker. And, and the symbolism is so much more than just bread and juice. 
represents the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And so right now, I want to talk about the, 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 the body of Christ. If you notice your, your wafer, it's flat. It's not fluffy like Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread's made with yeast. And, and yeast in the Bible is a representation of sin. And we know that there was a sinless man named Jesus who died upon that cross for the sinful man named Dennis, right? And if you notice on your bread, we have holes, and they're not there because they need to put holes in the bread. They're there for representation of the holes that Jesus bore in his hands, on his side, and on his feet. If you notice, there's also burn marks. If you have a little bigger piece, you'll see it. Representation of the stripes that Jesus bore on the cross for us. You know, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have stopped it all. He could have said, no, you know what? Dennis in 2021 ain't worthy of it. But he did it. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. Without no complaining, he died upon the cross. And so we take communion as a representation of what he did. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for dying upon that cross. Thank you for the beating that you took in my place. Thank you for the nails that you bore in your hands. Thank you, Lord, today that I don't have to sacrifice an animal. I don't have to go to a man and ask for forgiveness. I can go straight to the Father for what you did upon that cross that day. And we do this, Lord, not as a religion, but as a relationship with you. And we partake of this together. Amen. Sorry, I got a little bit bigger piece. I got to finish it. The Bible says that there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. That's significant. And when we think about it in today's time, it really doesn't hold a whole lot of significance because we don't have to go to the altar and sacrifice an animal and plead with God to forgive us of what we've done. And we don't have to be cussing people out and killing and murdering. The purpose of the shedding of the blood was so that we could be made right before God. There is nothing on this earth that can make us holy enough, make us good enough, make us worthy enough, except the blood of Jesus. And like Pastor said, he willingly went to the cross on your behalf, on my behalf, willingly. The Bible says, who, who would do that? Who would, as your enemy, die before be, die for you? Nobody, because you're not worth it. To me, you wouldn't be worth it. I don't love you enough. Maybe for my kids, but then, hey, I could have another one. I mean, when you think about it, right? It's kind of, you find the humor in it, right? But when you think of Abraham, and God asked Abraham, to sacrifice his one and only son 
You think he didn't struggle with that? But yet he was obedient. And then God provided a lamb in the thicket as a way out. And our God has provided Jesus as a way out to say, I want to be your friend. I want to know you. I want to live with you. I want you to live with me. Amen. And just a really, really quick insert. Isaiah 31, verse 15, and this is the part B of it. It says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. That's beautiful. Because today signifies that Jesus did, gave, well, on Friday, right? I talked about the ultimate sacrifice. But because he resurrected today, we have that victory. Because he shed his blood on the cross for us, we have victory. We have oneness with God. We have forgiveness for our sins, no matter how great they are for what we've done yesterday, what we're going to do today, and what we could potentially do tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. And that's beautiful. Amen. So let's go before the Father and pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you sacrificed your son for us. And we're so grateful that you didn't keep him in that grave. But during that silent Saturday, he went down to the depths of hell and he stole back what the enemy would have stolen from us. And he's given us victory. And today we have victory in Jesus' name because of the blood that he shed on the cross for us. And we are made whole. We are complete. We are sound in mind. Our emotions are in check for those of you whose emotions are out of whack. He has made us whole and complete in him because the blood of Jesus makes us white as snow. And we give you praise and you are deserving of all glory and all honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And this morning, Lord, we just thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you've done upon the cross as you are no longer on the cross. Yes. You're no longer in the grave. Yes. But you're seated on the right side of the Father, interceding on our behalf, Lord. And today we just give you the glory and the honor, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, right now as we dive into your word, Lord, that you use me to bring forth what you want to be said, Heavenly Father. Open our ears, open our hearts, Heavenly Father, to the word of God, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in and through us today. In Jesus' name we pray and the church says, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated this morning and also uh, Sunday school for the youngins. And so um, the little, little ones. And go with Miss Candace next door. Good morning. Come on, we gotta do a little better than that. Good morning. There we go. Couple announcements. If you want to give a tithe or offering, you can do so in person. In the back there, we have a little post, uh, little uh, mailbox there. You can drop your tithes and offering. Also, you can uh, do it by giving uh, through our uh, text to give. You can text the word "give" to one eight three three four one four. 0165. This morning, my sermon is titled The Prodigal Father. Someone say prodigal. Prodigal. We're going to hear prodigal a lot this morning. And this morning is what? Easter Sunday. 
It's the day that we celebrate what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we say this on every Easter, Jesus is risen. He has risen indeed. Come on, we got to get a little better than that. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Come on, this is going to be an interactive thing. You're going to talk back to me. Amen. (laughs) It's the day that Jesus rose from the grave. This is the most important day of the Christian faith. This and Christmas. Right? Without Christmas, there is no Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no death. There is no resurrection. Without Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sin. Right? There is no hope. There is no mercy. There is no grace without Jesus Christ. It's the death and, death and resurrection of Christ that puts it all together. This morning, I want to look at a scripture that we're familiar with in Luke 15. And Jesus gives us three parables in Luke 15. 15 and and these parables that he teaches we see in 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 Luke 15 verse 1 that they weren't for the perfect people it was for the imperfect people right a hospital is not because you're healthy right it's because you need help right and you have a health issue you know what church if you're perfect you don't need to be here right I ain't perfect and so I need to be inside the church amen and it wasn't for the perfect people he, he wasn't talking to the perfect people in fact the perfect people put him on the cross right the perfect people said stop talking to the sinners stop ministering to them right they didn't want to see people healed and set free from bondage and so the perfect people the Sadducees and the Pharisees said stop talking to those sinners it wasn't for the perfect people. It was for, the parable was for, for the sinners, for the tax collectors. It was for the outcasts. It was for the reject, rejected. It was for you and I today. It wasn't for the scribes and the Pharisees. They told them to stop it, knock it off. The first parable Jesus speaks about we're familiar with. It's when the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after that one sheep. And Jesus continues on because Jesus says, hey, if you don't get that point, let me take you on to another point. And he says that, you know, there was a woman with 10 silver coins and she lost one silver coin. And so she went and looked all over her house, tearing up her house for that one silver coin until she found it. And then Jesus wraps it up with the parable of the prodigal son. That's where we're going to focus on today in Luke 15, verse 11. The text this morning is not a, considered a traditional Easter sermon not a traditional Easter text, but it accompanies everything about Jesus. Everything about Jesus. We're going to see this morning the story of the prodigal son. But as we look at the prodigal son, we can't forget about the father in the story. Amen? The father. This morning, I want us to see the father. I want us to see the prodigal son differently than what we are accustomed to seeing. I want us to see the prodigal son, but I want us to focus on the father. The father. You know, the focus of this text always revolves around the son. But you know, it's not as much about the son as it is the father. You know, life has a way of reminding us that it's not about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Now turn to yourself and say, it ain't about me either, right? Because some of you guys, it ain't about you, that's for sure, right? <laughs> Definitely ain't about me either, okay? <laughs> Life has a way of reminding us, and it's not about us. 
Jesus going to the cross, really, when you think about it, the focus is on Jesus, right? And what he did for us. But the focus also needs to be on the Father because the Father placed Jesus there, right? Jesus gets all the attention knowing 100% yes, that's absolutely correct. But the Father's will was for Jesus to go to the cross, amen? And we forget about the Father. In the prodigal son text, we lose sight of the Father, in Luke verse, uh, in the 20 verses we see in Luke 15, 11 through, through 31, we're not going to look at all of the, 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 the text this morning, but Luke 15, 11 through 31, 20 verses. Out of those 20 verses, depending on your translation, mine has 11, yours might have 12. No minimum of 11 is a father talked about in these 20 verses. You split that up among 20 verses, you, basically the father's being spoken about or talked about one out of every two verses. But what's the text called? The prodigal son. We forget about the father. If I ask you the question, what does prodigal mean? I asked Nathaniel this this week. So what does prodigal mean? What does prodigal mean to you? And she said, the prodigal means the runaway, right? Prodigal means the, you know, runaway uh, a son who came back later on to his father. I said, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You're wrong. No, I'm just playing. You're right. <laughs> she was right. But we, 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 we get that from Luke 15 because we focus on the son and not the father, right? You know what the word prodigal actually means? It actually means spending money or resources freely and recklessly. It means wasteful, extravagant, or having or giving something on a lavish scale. Last week, we, I, I preached on a sermon called Radical. If you missed it, you can go back, YouTube, Facebook, podcast, Radical. Radical means extreme, Right? And, and when you think about the, the, the events of Holy Week, starting with the Palm Sunday, which was last Sunday, and Good Friday, which was this past Friday, it was the, the death of Jesus, and Resurrection Day today, it was radical, right? It was extreme. Radical as in cool, that's awesome, but radical as, that's extreme when you think about it. But have you ever thought of God as a prodigal father? Think about it this way. He lavished us with love, undeserving but may I add, undeserving, but he lavishes us with love. Now, he didn't spend any money, but he spent the precious resource that he had, which was Jesus Christ. He gave us it recklessly. He loved us recklessly. And the sad part about it, for some, he did it with wasteful extravagance because there's some who reject Jesus and his gift of eternal life. This morning, I want to really have four reminders that we really need to, to, to understand and grasp in our day-to-day. -day. Found in Luke 15, 11. You can follow along with me in your Bibles or on the, on the projector. I'll be reading out the New Living Translation, and it says, verse 11 through 13 says, to illustrate the point further, right? Jesus goes, in case you didn't get the first point, I give you a second point. In case you didn't get the second point, I'm giving you a, a third point. So to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. How many sons? Two. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on wild, in wild living. The first reminder we need to remind ourselves that God loves you even after rejecting him. 
See, in verse 11, we have two sons. We're introduced to two boys. And the younger son goes up to his dad and says, hey, dad, I, I, want, I want the inheritance now. It's pretty jacked up when you think about it. He goes to his dad and says, hey, dad, I know you ain't dead yet, but I want what I, what, what's owed to me when you die now. You might be in good health. We don't know what the, what the man, we know he, he, he lived to at least welcome his son back, but we don't know what the, the man's health was. And his son goes, I, I, I want my inheritance now. He didn't want to wait for his father to pass to receive his inheritance. So the son went up to, to his father, said, hey, dad, I, I want the inheritance. And that was my boy. I was like, my, your inheritance is out the door. Have a nice day. But that didn't happen, right? He said, I want my inheritance. And his dad said, okay, fine. I'll give, you, I'll give you what you want. I don't like it. I don't think it's right. I think it's morally wrong. I think, I think, I think that you, you're asking for something way too advanced, out of greed, but I'll give it to you. Why? Because the Father gives us free will. You know, there's things that, that we will ask for that might not be in our best interest, and if we ask and we ask and we ask, God might say, hey, you know what? Fine, have it, but you know what? You're going to suffer the consequences later, and you're out of my control. You step out of the umbrella, you're going to get hit by the rain, right? It wasn't what the father wanted. See, what the son wanted was his father's money. He wanted his father's resources, but he no longer wanted his father. He wanted the resources. He wanted the money. In reality, what he did was he rejected his father. I don't want you. I want your, I want your blessings. I want your money. I want your resources. And the thing is, is we can look at that and say, man, that's pretty jacked up. This young man has some really some issues. But you know what? We are that jacked up man or woman. We are that, that jacked up child. When you think about it, each of us has done the same thing. We want God to bless us in our lives. We want the blessing from God, but we reject God. We reject God. We are the prodigal son. We may say we don't reject God, but we reject God in many ways. And sometimes we don't even know that we're rejecting God. I've done it before. I've done it a lot of times. Reject God when God says, hey, Dennis, you need to do this. No, no, you mean Dennis, the other Dennis. That was Dennis, my dad, right? I can't do Dennis, my son. He's too young. But, you know, it's, hey, that's another Dennis. It ain't, it ain't this Dennis. And when we reject the will of God, what we're doing is saying, God, I don't want your will in my life. We reject God by ignoring his love. We reject God by diminishing his word. When we look at the word of God and say, well, yeah, I can see it that way, but I, I interpret it differently. We reject God by his word. We reject God by, by willful sinning. Sin is, is, is used in archery. I don't play archery. I, I, I don't throw darts. I'm not very good at it. I can barely hit a target with a bullet. It's, it's all bad. I have no, no aim at all. But we think about sin. You know what sin is? You know what sin is is bad, right? Sin is bad. But sin is missing the mark. When, when, that, when the person comes up and they, they launch that arrow and they don't hit the target and they don't hit the bullseye and they hit around the bullseye but don't hit the bullseye, it's a sin in archery. It's a sin. They miss the mark. They reject it. You see, the thing is, we all have missed the mark. We all have sinned. We all have rejected God. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have fallen short of God's standards. We have all sinned. We have all missed the mark. 
The key is, is, is not you. The key is, is we, meaning me, you, us, all of us. We've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. We all rejected God. But this is the key. And this is the thing I loved. This is, you're preparing this sermon. God says, you know what? You have rejected me, but guess what? I have never rejected you. God has never rejected you. And that's important. See, we may feel rejected, but that rejection does not come from God. That rejection is that we feel is rooted in man. And what we do is because we are fleshly beings, we take our relationship and bad experiences that we had with an individual and we relate those to God and say, well, God rejected me. No, man rejected you. God never rejected you. Amen? The rejection is, is now rooted in our minds. And we apply that same relationship we have with man to God. Let me tell you, rejection is not rooted in God. Isaiah 53.3, Nathaniel put it beautiful on Friday. 53.3 says this, he was despised and what? Rejected. And then it goes on, it says, a man of sorrow, acquainted with deepest grief, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. What did we do? We rejected him. We are the ones who rejected God. And, and, and look at what Romans 5, 8 says. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die uh, uh, for us while we were still sinners. That means he never rejected because if he rejected you, he would have said, for who? I'm dying for what? Right? He's like, stop it right there. Call the 10,000 angels. We done here, right? I'm, you know, Dennis, that hearted individual. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not dying for him. Right? If he rejected, he would have rejected us at the cross, but he didn't, and he went there willfully when we were still sinners. Amen? When we rejected God, he still showed great love for us, and he did it by sending Jesus to die. Jesus died for each one who rejected him. He, he died for each one who crucified him, and he died for each one of us today. Not because he had to, but because he loved us. Amen? Because he loved you. Because he loved me. Revelations 3.20. We'll see this in a little bit, but tells us that God knocks on the door of our hearts. But it's up to each individual to open up our hearts. Right? And, and, and the verse goes on and it says, if, if, if you invite him in, if you open the door to your heart, he'll come in and he'll sit with you and he'll commune with you. He'll eat with you, right? And, he, and the word says, he will be your friend. But the challenge is we have to open up the door because if the door remains closed, what we're saying is, you know what? Didn't you see the sign, no soliciting, right? Beat it. Go to the next, next person because I'm rejecting you even though you're knocking on my heart's door. That's the promise. If you open the door, he'll come and be friends with us. But instead, we reject the cross. We reject his death. We reject the resurrection. You know what's something I find interesting in this whole scripture text is that as the son rejects the father, it did not change the love the father had for the son. It never changed. You know, sometimes it, us being bad, you know, uh, or us being human, I should say, our, our natural instinct, if someone rejects us, what do we do? Reject them back, right? You such and such, such and such, okay, well, you know what? Well, I'm going to unfriend them on Facebook. Now what, right? <laughs> we get all upset, get up on all our feelings, right, and reject them. That's a natural occurrence, right? When we are hurt, we want to hurt others. That's his natural thing. But the, the love that the father had for the son, when the son said, you know what, I'm going to reject the father, the father goes, you know what, I still love my son. 
I still love my son. God still loves even after we reject him. Going back to our scripture text, verse 14 says, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. Remember I told you, you get out of the umbrella, it's going to pour, right? A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. The man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. No one gave him anything. Second, uh, the second key is God loves you even in your dark places. See, things start, started out great for this young man. Right? He got his inheritance. He's like, I'm rolling. I'm good. I got myself some money. And then when life went bad, guess what? Life went bad. We always have a saying, right? When it, when it rains, it pours, right? It, on this, in this young man, it, it not only rained, it, it poured. The wild living, he ran out of money. Money was gone. Friends were gone. The parting was gone. The lavish lifestyle was gone. All of it was completely gone, and the young man found himself in a, in a dark, dark place, a difficult place, somewhere where he never thought he, he would be. He couldn't even find food to eat, and the word says that he began to starve. He reached out to a farmer. Hey, can, can I work for you? Farmer said, yeah, you can go feed those pigs over there. See, feeding pigs was the lowest of lows for an Israelite. Got to remember, pigs were an unclean animal. They didn't associate themselves with pigs. Unclean, dirty. And here he was in a dark place, and even the food that he was feeding a dirty animal looked good to him. What this man experienced in life is what we all experienced in life. It's a good symbol of sin. Let me tell you, this young man faced a decision that looked appealing but led to destruction in his life. See, sin normally starts out great, just like this young man. It starts out great, right? I mean, everything's going good, but eventually catches up and eventually it turns ugly. See, sometimes we, we, we think about sin and we, we look at sin and, and we say, it's, it's easy to stay away from because it's ugly, right? We, we learned that from a young age. It's ugly. Sin is ugly. It's easy to stay away from, but I'm here to correct that. Sin is the most beautiful thing you ever see. It's very beautiful. See, sometimes we, we think sin is ugly, but it's not. I learned that years ago from a, a, a youth pastor that says, listen, sin is the most beautiful thing you will see until it glares its ugly head. And then you realize how ugly sin is. It's enticing. You're not enticed by ugliness. It's tempting. You're not tempted by ugliness. Right? It's not, it's not ugly. It's, 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 when it's done with you, it leaves you in a pigsty of life like this young man. But even in the darkest moments, even in the times that you, you feel lost and lonely, even after you totally messed up our lives, have you messed up? I've messed up my life before. I've, I've really, there's times that if you sit down with me, I'll say, hey, look, listen, I, I went off the beaten path, but praise God, I got back on, amen? 
because it was by the grace of God I'm here today. But you know what? God did not stop loving during those bad times, during those stark times, during those lonely times. You see, on one side, we have the representation of us. We are that reckless son who didn't care about the father, who wanted to live our own way. And then on the other side, we have the representation of God, the reckless father who never stopped loving, who is watching, who is waiting, who his love has never stopped for us. So you might find yourself in a far country like this young man. You might be in some of the darkest times in your life, and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be relational. It could be health. It, it, it could be a financial burden. It could be just the crap that we've gone through the last 12 months. It's heavy. It gets heavy sometimes. Puts us in dark places. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what, what, what pig pen or pig sty you may find yourself in. What matters is the love of God has never stopped for you and continues today. Amen? God loves you. Going back, verse 17 to 20, it says, When he finally came to a census, he said to himself, At home, even the higher servants had food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and, and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a higher servant. So he turned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The third key is God loves you, and he seeks after you see this young man finally hit rock bottom and unfortunately it, it took him to rock bottom to finally come to his senses to finally wake up see we sometimes have to get to that point in life when we're sick of tired of being sick of tired for change to occur see when you're sick of tired of being sick of tired then things start changing because you know why you're done living the way that you're, you've been living and i don't care what it is it could be relationship with god it could be diet it could be your finances whatever it may be i've i've, I've done it all you got to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and then boom, that's when change happens because you're tired of living the same way that you've been living. We have to wake up and come to our senses. This young man woke up. I want you to see what he did. He didn't think about how to improve the pig pen. He didn't say, well, you know what, this looks nicer if I move the, pig, the pigs over here and, and you know, have the food over here and the mud over here. He didn't look at improving the pig pen. He didn't have a pity party. He could have said, my life is really jacked up, man. He didn't have a pity party. He didn't blame his dad because he could have blamed his dad and said, hey, dad, you should have never given me that inheritance because then I went and blew it, right? It's easy to go blame somebody else. I try to teach this to my son, take responsibility for the actions, right? And he finally, he, this guy said, I'm taking responsibility for my action, right? He said, I, I'm not having a pity party. My life is jacked up, but he didn't blame his dad. He didn't blame his brother. He could have said, Dude, why do you stay home for? I'm over here in the pig pen. You're at home working for dad. It's your fault. He didn't blame his brother. He didn't blame his boss. He could have told him, boss, you could have put me with the cows, but you put me with the pigs, right? He didn't blame his boss, right? He didn't blame the pigs either. You know, you know when we're in trouble, we blame everybody. Like, it's the pig's fault, and it's the boss's fault, and it's them fault. It's your fault. Absolutely not my fault, right? It's never my fault. He didn't blame his friends who helped him get to that point, who helped suck him dry. He acknowledged where he was, 
But let me tell you, where he was was not his focus. Let me tell you, his, fo- his focus was on the father. What did he say? My dad's servants live better than me. My father's servants, right? He's looking at the father. His focus was on the father. And let me tell you, the father never stopped loving him. The father was waiting for his return. The father never stopped seeking after him. You see, in verse 20, it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. How did he see him from afar? Because he was seeking and searching and waiting for his son to come down that road. And he saw him from afar and he goes, that's my boy. My boy is finally coming home. He finally hit rock bottom, but sometimes they had to get to rock bottom for him to come home. And here he is. I see him from afar. He's coming home. Father saw him because he never stopped seeking for his son. See, earlier I, I we touched on Luke 15 and the other two parables, but I want to touch on them again. Again, the first parable was the, the, the shepherd who left the 99 to search for that one lost sheep. The woman had 10 coins and she lost one. And she went searching for that lost one until it was found. How many of us would say, forget about that one. You got 99 other sheep. Don't waste your time on that one. I mean, the 99 is behaving good. The one didn't behave very well. Don't go searching for the rebellion one. Stay here with the other 99, right? We've all said that, right? We've all said that about everything in our our life. The the, the lady with the coin, hey, I got 90% of my wealth. I'm still straight, right? No, but she was looking for that one coin. She needed that one coin. But that's not what Jesus does. See, the prodigal son's parable isn't any different. See, Jesus is speaking about searching for the lost sheep. If he's speaking about searching for the lost coin, he's speaking about searching for the lost son and daughter. Amen. The sheep, the coin, the son, who are they? They're us. They're you. They're me. And then who, 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 who's the one searching? Who's the shepherd? Who's the overseer of the coin? Who's the father in the prodigal son's story? It's God. And he's searching and he's seeking. In each parable, Jesus is the one searching for that lost one. And we see this throughout scripture. It just didn't be, these are three nice stories. Oh yeah, and Jesus was looking for those three and he uses an example. No, it was from the beginning of time, from the New Te- from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's never stopped seeking after you. Ezekiel 34, 11 says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. He goes, I myself will search and find my sheep. He says, I myself will search and find my sheep. We are his sheep and the shepherd is looking for you and for I. Luke 19, 10, Jesus gives his purpose and his purpose was for the son of man. To, a man came to seek and save those who are lost. What did he come for? What was his purpose? To seek, to, to, to find, to see, uh, 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 what the words I'm using, looking for? Well, basically to seek you out. That's what, he's, what he came for. That was his purpose. That was his reason. That was the number one thing he came for was to search the lost to find them and to save them and that includes you and I today amen verse 20 says so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him verse 21 says his son said to him father I sin against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. 
But his father said to the servant, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. He says, so the party began. This boy, he thought he knew how to party in the world. He didn't realize what was coming to him, right? The fourth thing, God loves you, and he's waiting for your return. Let me tell you, every, after everything this young man went through, everything he put his father through, his father welcomed his son back. He welcomed the son back with open arms. He was not welcomed back with guilt or shame. He was not welcomed back with, with punishment. This son deserved every punishment that was coming for him. Every punishment. He deserved it all, right? We know when we are in trouble. My son says, you know, when he gets in trouble, okay, I know, so what's my punishment? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, right? At that point, he's just like, whatever you want to give me, I'll, I'll take, right? I'm just happy to still be alive. <laughs> the son deserved to be punished for his sin against the father. He deserved the father's rejection. But instead, what do we see? We see he was welcomed back with love and compassion. He was welcomed back with excitement and with joy. They were going to kill the, the fattened calf. They were going to have a party. Put a ring on it, he said, before Beyonce said it, right? He said, put a ring on it, right? Here's a robe. Here's the sandals. He said, because your son was dead, but now returned to life. Let me tell you, that is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why. We as his sons and we as his daughters, guess where we can go? We can go back home. Amen? Not to be punished, but to be saved. To receive restoration, to receive new life, not to receive the old life. The old life's gone. To receive new life with him, amen? Let me tell you, church, this morning we have the option of continuing being dead and lost in our, our current state of affairs and live life like we've always lived because we're not, uh, uh, we're not sick and tired of being sick and tired yet. Or we can say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And we have the option to find and return to life. Revelation 3.20, I said it earlier, but I'm going to read it pervadum. It says this. So look, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus speaking. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, he goes, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. Let me tell you this morning that Jesus is knocking today. He's that prodigal father and he, he's that reckless father who, who loved you even after being rejected who loved you in your darkest places when sometimes you feel like you're alone. He loved you. I mean, tell you today, he's, he's knocking. He's seeking. He's waiting for you to open your heart door and receive him today. 
recklessly. He's a prodigal father who loves you. And I get emotional because the thing is, he does. Because I've experienced it. Love like a father that, that we never experienced before. And some of us have been hurt by fathers. Some of us have been hurt by, by man and woman and people and, and, and all kinds of things in our life. But you know what? He's knocking at the door and he's saying, hey, listen, my child, I'm going to receive you with open arms. I'm going to love you. I'm going to accept you and I will bring you into the family. I will feed you and I will dine with you and I will be your friend. You know what? Isn't it awesome to be friends with God? It's an awesome experience. And today I want to give you that experience this morning. I want you to stand with me as I close in prayer and us here and, and, and you at home and whether live or later on on a podcast or watching it replay, it doesn't matter. But this morning, my challenge to you is will you open your heart's door and at least accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the example of the prodigal son heavenly father that we can come home not with guilt not with shame but to be received into the family of god to receive our new life that's who we are new life where the old is gone the old has passed away and we are giving a new life a second chance we given we receive grace and mercy and right now wherever you may be at just repeat after me Lord Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to dine with me. I ask you to be my friend. Be Lord of my life. Thank you for second chances. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I just pray right now, Heavenly Father, that as we leave this place, that we leave it differently than we walked in. As we turn off the phones and computers and TVs or whatever we may be watching on, Lord, that we don't hit the power button and walk away, dif uh, walk away the same, that we walk away differently. I pray, Lord, that as we, 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 we live this life Lord, this week, Heavenly Father, that you will give us encouragement. You will give us insight. You will give us wisdom in who you are. We thank you, Lord, for loving us in Jesus' name we pray. Church says, I want you to thank you for, uh, uh, thank you for uh, uh, coming this, this Easter Sunday. Thank you for joining us online. If you need prayer in the house, we're more than welcome to pray with you. If you need prayer online, text us, give us a call, message us on Facebook. God bless you, church. Enjoy your Easter, and he is risen. That's a little better. Amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next time.